there was blood. <laughs> if somebody kidnapped me, I would just be the worst captor because I'd be like, I'm going to die anyway. Hi, and welcome to Positively Positive. If you're new here, my name's Sarah, and today I'm talking with my friend Taylor. Taylor can be found on Instagram at 2chronic2care, and that's a fun little play on words because she has two lifelong conditions. She's got the good old HSV, and she has type 1 diabetes, which is what we're going to dive into today. We're going to explain what type 1 is, how it works in the body, and how it affects her day-to-day and her dating life. So let's talk about type 1 diabetes, baby! Woo! <laughs> Welcome, Taylor. How old are you? Where are you from? And what is your favorite wine? First of all, thank you, Sarah, for having me. I'm so excited. Um, I am 25, quarter life crisis, if you will. Um, I live in Washington, D.C. And favorite wine, you know, I love to sip, but I love Babe Canned Rose. I'm a little brand ambassador for them, but very fun, very portable, sipping all the time. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, Taylor and I talk on Instagram a lot, and half the time she's like, I'm a little bit wine drunk. And I'm like, girl. <laughs> yeah, you can tell in my voice notes. I feel like I progressively get a little bit more chatty and we get into the nitty gritty, but that's what makes it fun. So, and that's exactly what I want to do today. I want to get into the details and everything. But first of all, I just want to fucking stomp on my own preconceived notion of what diabetes is. And you can tell me if you would call this a stigma or a misconception or whatever. But the first thing I learned when I was looking up type 1 diabetes is that it has nothing to do with diet or lifestyle. And I'm sure you've heard that, like that's not news to you. But I was like, okay, well that just smashed everything that I thought I knew about diabetes, which to be clear, was not anything. But I knew it had something to do with sugar and insulin. And I did think it had to do with being healthy and eating right and, you know, managing sweets so you don't get it. I didn't know a lot about the different types. And to be honest, one of the only things that I ever remember hearing about diabetes, and I don't know which type this person has, but like I have a coworker with a type, I don't know which, and we always bring in communal snacks and stuff to work. I just remember one other coworker being like, oh my God, so-and-so shouldn't be eating that. Like, what are they thinking? No wonder they have diabetes. And I remember being like, holy fuck, that's rude. But yeah. like, I don't fucking know anything about diabetes. But what I learned is that's not how type one works. It's an autoimmune disease and the medical and scientific communities aren't even exactly sure why it happens. It's a fucking autoimmune disease and it's not brought on by anything you do or eat. It just happens. Totally. Yeah, I know there's so many, there's all these jokes on the um, diabetes side. Like people will be like, oh, are you sure you can have that? Or like, oh, that's too much sugar. Like if you just stop eating sugar, you'll cure it. Or there's a there's a crazy one that's like, oh, have you tried like a cinnamon stick to get rid of it? And you're like, hang on, you can't just cure it by eating cinnamon or just like not eating sugar. There's so much more to the back end. So there's also like seven types of diabetes, which I didn't even realize that until I started this account. Like I always thought 
type one, which is what I have, and then type two, and then gestational when you're pregnant. But there's like moody type three C, where you don't have your pancreas, uh, LADA, like all these different types. But yeah, people generally think like 90 to 95% of diabetics were all under this giant umbrella. So I get the confusion, but those are type two diabetics. And then the rest of that, like 10 to 5% are the other six types of diabetes. So weight, people always think it's just all about weight, but like you were saying autoimmune with type one, basically my immune system just like decided that the insulin producing cells were bad for some reason. And yeah, they don't know what causes it. So they think it could be linked to genetics, but no one in my family has any type of diabetes. And then they were like, oh, maybe you were sick and your body was just exposed and like your defenses were down and then you get it. But I have no idea how I got it. And then, yeah, with like type two, people think it's weight and there's a lot of stigma with that, thinking that you did it to yourself and like, oh, you just ate poorly and that's why you have it. But a lot of type twos, sometimes it is just genetics and they just have a blockage at that time where they can't get insulin. So the big thing with type two is there's just like a lot of insulin resistance and your body's not getting the insulin, where with type one, your body just stops making it all together. So I think we're all lumped under one big umbrella because it deals with insulin, but they're also different. So we're kind of like battling this stigma where everyone thinks, oh, you're a diabetic, like you just ate poorly and that's why you have it. And you're like, hang on, it's not all about, like, yeah, we are dealing with food and carb counting and everything, but it didn't cause us to get it. Do you think that there's like a hierarchy within the types of diabetes? Because like you said, and what I've read, type two can be influenced by lifestyle and diet, but that's not always the cause and like I have a friend who's doctor which everyone who listens to this knows that I don't always trust what doctors say and we're our own best advocates but I do have a friend that has PCOS and her doctor told her like she's on the road to possibly developing type 2 and PCOS is one thing that can contribute to that. I feel like there is Similar to like herpes, how there's a hierarchy, like people think that like more of HSV-1 is the better kind. And then like I have HSV-2 on my genitals and people think that is worse just cause location. And so I parallel it to diabetes. Like people tend to think, oh, type one, like your body doesn't make insulin anymore. Like how type three C's don't even have a pancreas. Like people deem that as I guess more bad. And then type two, like you, do have to take some form of insulin, but it's not as 24-7, like some don't have a pump. A lot have CGMs, like continuous glucose monitors to manage their sugars, but it's a whole different management, but they're both chronic. <laughs> so it's hard to say if one's better. I don't, I think they're just different management styles, but they come with different stigmas, different assumptions. And there is like, you mentioned doctors really briefly. Like when I was first diagnosed, I'm like from a local small town, Eastern Shore, Maryland. And a nurse, when I was diagnosed, she was like, oh, you just can't have sugar for the rest of your life. And I'm a, I'm a little 12 year old. Like, what do you mean? I like 
look at a sugar packet and in red font it says like not suitable for people with diabetes and I'm like what is this whole world I'm I've just been like diagnosed into but the more I realized I'm like okay food isn't this enemy I don't know people just think that you caused it by what you ate and I'm like this is so crazy because it I mean unknown of how I got it and then type twos a lot of it's to genetics like there's lean diabetes who you could be totally a fine weight and you get type two because it's just blockage of insulin in your body. The weight comments just irk me <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. They're like, oh, but you're not overweight. Like, how are you a diabetic? Mm -hmm. I'm like, first of all, don't comment on someone's weight. Like, get out of here. But it's kind of this similar educating, which I find in the same sense of herpes, like people don't get it. I have to give them a little bit of like some grace and explain it, but there's so much people don't know and there's so many types of diabetes and it's kind of hard to, yeah, rein people back in and take away that stigma and assumption. So, yeah. So That's how old, sorry, how old were you when you got diagnosed. I was 12, so I was in seventh grade, a little middle schooler. And your nurse, sorry, you said your nurse said you just can't have sugar. Isn't that impossible? Like we need sugar, like diabetic or not, we need sugar to exist. Yeah, exactly. I know. And that was so scarring to me because I was like, what do you mean? And, and now I've realized, okay, with moderation, and just like carb counting and me giving insulin ahead of like having a snack or a meal like that covers the blood sugar spike and I can carry on like a normal human. So yeah, it's just like this similar like fear instilling like when I think about when people don't know that much about herpes and you see those scary images and you're just like, oh my God, I don't want it. And then I don't know when I was diagnosed, I was like, my life is over, but it just kind of made me learn and like listen to my body more and like what I put in it. And I don't even know what like glucose was <laughs> until I was diagnosed. And then everyone counts calories like on the back of a nutrition label, but I would always just look at the carbohydrates and do my carb insulin ratio and all my math calculations and carried on. I want to talk about, because we've already said insulin and glucose like 10 million times. Yeah. Obviously, I think we all have general, like we've all heard those words before, but I want to talk about what is actually happening, what is actually going on in your body. So like if you could start, you eat a piece of bread and that bread has sugar in it, then like what is supposed to happen versus what happens in your body? So basically when you eat any type of food, the food will want to turn into energy through like glucose. So if you're a normal human, you'll eat something, it turns into energy and then you carry on and your blood sugars will normally stay in the range of like 80 to 120. That's like the perfect range. And you don't have to think about like what you're eating. Your body will automatically process the food and the glucose and make it work for your body. Whereas when you're type one, your body just like doesn't have those insulin producing cells to turn that glucose into energy. And so your numbers stay really high, like normally in the 400 plus range. That's why people if you go to the bathroom all the time. You're really thirsty. You have a lot of fatigue you're losing weight because, because your body's trying to get rid of that sugar yeah yeah so when I was first diagnosed or before I was before they knew they actually thought I had an eating disorder because I went to the bathroom after I ate at lunch in middle school I was 90 pounds I was like skin and bone and so it can honestly get really 
misdiagnosed too because you're losing weight you're just drinking water all the time going to the bathroom like really fatigued like your vision gets worse and you can go into dka which your blood is turning into acid which is like i've been in dka later oh in life but a lot of diabetics they find out that way when they're diagnosed because they their body's basically like days away from shutting down so that's why i'm gonna like keep mentioning the symptoms because some people i think overlook it or don't really think much of it when you were like 11 or 12 or when it happened how did you get diagnosed like how did your family decide to take you to the doctor was it because they thought you had an eating disorder i think like the teachers kept talking to my mom but she was like oh i don't know i think we'll just keep an eye but I actually had an annual physical and then they just so happened to find it out. So I don't think anyone had an idea or was looking for it, but they tested my blood sugar and it was extremely high. And that's where that nurse was like, oh yeah, you can't have sugar from now on. And I was like, what's happening? And then I went to like a better, actually an endocrinologist and they talked to me more about it and told me how it would work moving forward. and all that fun stuff. And then I wasn't so in the dark, but for a little middle schooler, it was it was actually kind of a process. My student, my classmates thought that it was contagious. Yeah. So I was like, hang on. So they ended up having an assembly, my little middle school, and they had to talk about it. And were like, you can sit with Taylor. Like it's not something you're gonna get. Oh, uh, wow, how so. small is your school? I think there was like a couple hundred kids. It was so interesting to me. I was like, well, I have this now. Didn't ask for it, but like, how am I gonna be a normal little kid? And then people just didn't understand how you got it, what to do moving forward. Like, I was like, I'm not contagious. I'm a normal kid. I just have to give myself my own insulin and like deal with needles. <laughs> so how do you add insulin? So your pancreas, isn't making insulin or it's it's attacking your oh my god okay i think i can get this straight let me try <laughs> so your immune system is attacking the cells in your pancreas that make insulin the insulin is supposed to turn the sugar in your blood from the food into energy and deliver it to the cells but because there's no insulin your energy is not being delivered to cells so you have to add insulin am i right you're killing it okay perfect <laughs> So, I have the last feel down, so it's like 13 years in the making now. Yeah, no kidding. That's like my herpes spiel. I'm like, what do you want to yeah. know? Bim, bam, boom. Okay, so you have to add insulin. So I feel like people have heard of insulin pumps and stuff, but can you like tell me how exactly does that work? What are you wearing on your body? Are you wearing stuff on your body 24-7? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so... There's a lot of different ways to manage it. So I, f I feel like I've gone through almost all the motions now that I've had it for like 13 years. But when I was first diagnosed, I was on short and long acting insulin pens. And so they literally look like, like you peel off the cap, you put on a new needle, and then you dial up the amount at the very end, and then you just like jab it in. So for short acting, I would use that during the day and I would have to like calculate how much carbs I was eating, divide it by my insulin carb ratio, which mind you, I'm terrible at math. So now I had to like be forced to use math to like live. So no pressure, but so whatever that insulin carb calculation was, was the amount of insulin I'd give. So back then if I had 10 carbs, I would give myself one unit. That was my 
my ratio. So I just like plug that into the insulin pen and carry on. And then I would be pricking my finger to get my blood sugar throughout the day. So I do that like at least four to five times. And then if it was high, I'd have to correct my blood sugar and give myself more insulin. And then I would do long-acting insulin, which is a basal rate. I'm throwing out all these terms, so if anything's confusing, just let me know. But yeah, I have no, <laughs> no idea what a basal rate is. <laughs> well, it's basically like, so a normal human, you're constantly giving, like your body's giving you a little bit of insulin to keep your number in range. So a basal insulin, which you would give in long-acting insulin at night. That was when I used to give it. But it would just slowly spit out a little bit of insulin throughout the day. So your numbers would stay a little bit more in range. So that's kind of what it is. Like we're basically making up for what our body isn't normally doing. So that's how I managed it for a couple years when I was first diagnosed. So I was pricking my finger, using pens, stabbing myself, literally like, I mean, at least five times a day. Oh my god! Um, and do I had you... to get over your, your needles really quick. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to stab it into a vein or like muscle or fat, or can you literally just jab it anywhere? So you you end up finding like your favorite spots. So when I was first diagnosed, I put a lot of the injections in my stomach. But now I have so much scar tissue that's built up on my stomach that putting a site there now is really not as accurate because there's just so much scar tissue in between. So some people use their like arms and they'll like push their arm up against a wall, give you a little bit more of the fatty space or like your thigh, your back, like lower back. You get really creative. But now I have a insulin pump, which you probably see. The two things you're seeing is my insulin pump. I have a tandem um, T-Slim, but there's which has tubing. I always have tubing, but there are pumps that don't have tubing. So the more you get into the whole world, you'll see that they're all they're all similar, but a little bit different based on like the diabetic's preference and their insurance. Insurance kind of funnels you into certain paths, um, which is not cool because you want to be able to use the like technology that works best for you and your body. But it's a whole other, whole other thing. But I'm on an insulin pump where I put a site in. Now I've been putting it like on my, on my butt, on my arm, giving my stomach a little bit of a break. So I do that and then it connects to my pump. I change my site for my pump every like two to three days. And it's always a metal needle in me. Some people have a plastic cannula, but that always ends up kinking and I don't get the insulin. It's a whole thing. I, I always try and show it on the Instagram just to show the background because some people don't realize like how in-depth it is and how much I'm with needles and this insulin, which is this liquid that could saves my life. But also if you give too much, it can kill you. It's just like a whole process. But yeah, that's my pump. So I always, always have that. It's basically my pancreas, quote unquote. And then I've upgraded to a CGM with the Dexcom, which is a continuous glucose monitor. So I put that in every 10 days instead of pricking my finger a bazillion times a day. But I still end up having to prick it to calibrate it to make sure it's still working. But I have that on me all the time. 
So, so is that like computerized monitor? Like, do you just look at something on your phone and their, your Dexcom is communicating with that so you can see the numbers? Yeah, it's actually really cool. There's, it's like Bluetooth. So I have it on my watch. So I like can just look down and see my number all the time. It's on my phone. I can see the patterns, which I mean, it's this whole thing with insurance too. And even with insurance, the Dexcom is so expensive. So a lot of Diabetics don't even have access to it, even though that's the closest thing we have to a like quote unquote cure. But the technology is really cool. Like I didn't realize that my blood sugars were dropping really low at night, which is like my worst nightmare is not waking up because I, I went into like a low blood sugar and I just no one was around. I live alone. But with the Dexcom, I realized my patterns was able to change my like basal rate so I wouldn't get as much insulin at night. And the Dexcom has a control IQ, which basically now communicates with my pump. And if it predicts that I'm going to drop low, it suspends the insulin I'm getting. Oh. So it kind of like saves you a little bit and helps think for you. Cause now it can also, they updated the technology that if your number is high, it can give you a little bit of insulin. So they're getting closer to at helping the technology like help think for you and like think more like a pancreas but I mean it'd be cool if they just cured it and not gave us all this technology to to manage it but yeah, yeah kind of a full-time job on the side it freaking sounds like it <laughs> so you mentioned insurance and stuff and people know I'm in Canada I don't know how it works here but like all we hear about America is that like you don't have healthcare if you don't have insurance and you're screwed if you don't have insurance and it's super super expensive like that's all I know about American healthcare is that it's scary so like what is where do you first of all where do you get insulin like who does it come from if it's not coming from our bodies and then like how much is this costing you if you don't mind. Yeah, well, I'm, it's insurance, it's like this battle, cause I feel like, of course you need, you need all of this to live. Like if you don't have all this, pro, like all these supplies and the technology and the insulin, like you'll literally die, like you have no choice. So you'll have to buy it. So there's this whole thing. So someone like Bantine, it was this man who created insulin and life-saving, oh my gosh, amazing because like getting diabetes used to be a death sentence it was really scary and then he created insulin and he sold the patent for like a dollar because he's like no one would be crazy enough to charge crazy amounts of money for this life-saving like liquid but people did and it kept increasing over the years and i wrote down all these little facts because i just think it's mind-blowing but in like 1996 a vial of insulin was 21 dollars and it costs like $6 to make. It's not like that much of a process. And then in 2020, it costs 275 for one vial. Ugh. So it's like a 1,200 increase and the formula of the insulin hasn't changed at all. So it's these three big pharma companies that are controlling the insulin and they know people are gonna buy it because they don't wanna die and it just the price keeps skyrocketing and they're not stopping it and they're making so much money like the ceo of eli Lilly, i was i was just like mind blown because i didn't even know all of this but his like salary is 21 million 
dollars and then they only donate to like research and development like five million dollars and i'm like something's not adding up here so i i dive deep into that and i was like okay i'll bring this up just a little bit in case people don't realize how crazy the prices are going up and yeah that's not they struggle yeah it's not a normal inflation rate like that's not just like oh it gets a little bit more expensive every year that's like from 21 to like over 200 that's like car insurance yeah which is so crass to make that comparison but Mm -hmm. like that's a, a a shitload of money and i i guess insurance helps you offset and like you said they sort of leave you into you know whatever they're working with like the equipment and prices and stuff yeah Yeah, with insurance, I was doing my own math because at this moment, I'm about to get off of my dad's insurance, the good old 26 in May. And I'm very nervous because I like one in four diabetics ration insulin and I could be I could very well be like one of them. So I'm stocking up on insulin, which if I find out that insulin is actually a lot more like less expensive in Canada, I'm coming to you like stat. (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know what we're what we're doing up here. I should yeah. ask someone, but oh yeah, but it's just like diabetics resort to such methods. Like I figured out a hack to extend my CGM. So if I'm in a pinch and insurance won't cover a new sensor, I have a backup plan. And people ration their insulin, and uh, it's just like scary because I could very well be in a situation like that where I have to pay out of pocket. I was going to pay out of pocket for a sensor because I couldn't, my sensor like expired, whatever, and it wasn't working and they wouldn't replace it. So I went to the pharmacy and they're like, well, to give you any sensors, you have to pay with your insurance for like three months, but we can't fill that yet. So they're like, you can pay out of pocket. I'm like, okay, I'll pay out of pocket. And they're like, all right, that's going to be $2,000. Wait a second. Like, I don't have that much money. And also like, are you kidding me? So I just went out, I went without a sensor for a little bit because I, um, so I went back to pricking my number all the time, which can be a little bit, a little anxiety um, because you're so used to the 24-7 data with a CGM. And then to have to force to go back to testing, which I'm not used to doing since like middle school, early high school, it's kind of scary. So the only thing though with my dad's insurance, I can get five vials of insulin for $60, which I just feel like is crazy. So I'm stocking up as much as I can, but I'm also communicating with my work HR benefits department being like, how can I not be screwed because I have a chronic condition? Like, I don't want to be paying out of pocket crazy costs or having to like get off of my Humalog insulin and go to Novolog and how will my body react and all these things just based on insurance it it just blows my mind and some things are more expensive and out of pocket like some diabetics pay thousands of dollars just to pick up insulin and I'm like how am I paying 60 I don't understand it but I know that it it shouldn't be that complicated I don't know why something that you had no cause over and then you're forced into this like crazy wacky web of insurance and big pharma with this whole profit scheme and you're just trying to live so yeah. I, <laughs> wild. I think about 
the majority of people I know work in entertainment and we're all self-employed and there are certain unions and stuff that do have benefits but for a lot of people they don't have benefits so when you're talking about like insurance and HR I'm like what if one of my fucking performer friends who's doesn't have union benefits like got type 1 diabetes like they either need to become a star real quick or they're gonna fucking die like it's crazy it's it's just like people shouldn't be forced into these life or death situations and i wish that big pharma i mean like i was looking at every vial of insulin that they are giving they make like 260 dollars in profit because it only takes six dollars to make so they are literally profiting off of people with chronic conditions and i just am like how can you live with yourself i just don't understand it and even the um nonprofits, like i've recently found out and i don't know i mean whoever listens because i supported jdrf like it was my job i loved them what is that So it's Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And then there's the American Diabetes Association and Beyond Type 1, which Nick Jonas is a diabetic and he founded it. So there's these three nonprofits. They actually take money from Big Pharma and they only give like a small portion of all the funds raised. Like JDRF gives like 30 some percent of the funds they get to research. I'm like, wow, this is such a confusing world that like big pharma hyping up insulin prices, not caring about people living, kind of. And then they're giving money to these nonprofits who say they're looking for a cure, but they're helping support big pharma. So it's this whole like system that keeps evolving. So I've learned more of the crazy backside through starting this account and connecting with other diabetics. I had no idea that there were some nonprofits that didn't really have diabetics' best interests at heart. So in case someone listens, I'm like, wow, I'm going to think next time before I donate, just, just put it out there in the universe. So yeah, it's like just another one of those like vicious circles where it's like, if these organizations didn't exist, no one would really know. And if Nick Jonas wasn't talking about it at the Super Bowl, right? Like he had a Super Bowl oh commercial. Like, yeah. so it's like they're good and they're bad and they're, you know, maybe they do help one person, but they could help so many more. It's yeah, it's just a fucked circle and it's yeah. really depressing. I didn't mean to take it on a, no. a like that, but I'm like, uh, in case people don't know. <laughs> no, it's so yeah. real. And like, there's that same sort of web like you connected it to herpes before that same sort of web with like the we don't actually have proper testing for hsv it's not included in screenings and people don't know their status and the you know the powers that be the cbc and public health departments are okay with that and it's like well people are getting it all the time because you won't invest in proper testing and you don't tell people like it's uh it's just a horrible circle I'm glad you brought up that parallel, though, because sometimes I'm like, is there some, like, I don't want to deem it a conspiracy, but sometimes I feel like there's some, there's some larger games going on that people don't really want to cure diabetes because there's so many companies that profit with technology and organizations. And sometimes I'm like, they just want to keep the 
system going. I hope they're looking for a cure, but that thought always pops in my head. And then when you brought up the parallel with herpes and just like, yeah, people don't even realize that it's not included in your quote unquote full panel and the CDC doesn't even want to try and put it in the panel. I mean, people probably think they're already getting tested for herpes when they think they're getting the full panel. So like, why not put it in there? Cause then they're probably walking around being like, oh yeah, I'm in the clear. So I just don't get like why systems make it, like what, what are we not missing? So I'm glad you paralleled it. Cause I think about that too with herpes, make it easier and just include it. So do you, so like my mom has scoliosis. I have it too much less severe, but mm -hmm. my mom, has steel rods in her back because that's what scoliosis treatment was like in the 70s i don't know but anyways point is she has a medic alert bracelet so that first responders know to treat her accordingly it sounds like type one i mean i guess if you know they could see your pump or whatever but maybe this is so morbid oh my god i'm so sorry but yeah, like if you were in an accident and like yeah, it's they it could couldn't be. see yeah. your pump how do they know yeah and so I honestly, I didn't talk about this earlier, I was, but I went through a period where I just like did not talk about that I had diabetes and I would fight my mom about like, I don't want to wear an ID bracelet. Like, I just didn't want to acknowledge I had it. I, I don't know why I was so harsh on myself. And, and then the CGM, it was so visible and people started to ask me like, oh, what is that? And they wanted to learn. Some people would be like, is that Wi-Fi? Is that birth control? <laughs> like, all right, like you really need to be educated. Um, but I started to embrace it more. And so I used to hide my pump, like based on the outfit I was, sometimes I'd put it on my bra. So if I was in some type of accident, like you really wouldn't be able to see it. So it wasn't until like starting this Instagram account, honestly, that I became like, okay, stop fighting this. There's so many cool people you can connect with. I've learned so many tricks from diabetics. I found an account where I finally got myself a medical ID. Um, it's I put it on today. It's this little band on my watch and it says like type one diabetes. It's from get my ID. I wanted to hype that up because you can make your own. So even if you don't have like diabetes, but you have like a really bad allergy or something like you can make your own little ID band and have it like I I always put it on my watch so hopefully if I wasn't an accident they look at that um, but I now I try and make sure people know like I tell all my friends like all my coworkers know um, I, I don't hide it anymore but it honestly took me a very long time I don't know why I fought it for so long I think I didn't want people to like not like pity me but I didn't feel like explaining it or getting the like, oh, you ate too much sugar and that's mm -hmm. why you have it comment. So, but now I embrace it. I don't mind educating, but it took it being a little bit more visible with my CGM to like cross that, cross that line. So, yeah. And that's just another thing. Like, I feel like right now we always talk about how like mental illness is invisible. This is physical yeah. illness. Like it's an autoimmune disease. And it's still not visible. So even like, I think that's something that is important for everyone, myself included, to remember, like even physical things are not always visible. Totally. No, no. And I love that you kind of brought up mental health because I, 
I feel like even with herpes, I never went to therapy because of diabetes and then, because it, it's such a toll on you, you know, like you're always worried about like dying in a way <laughs> and just like acting like an organ. And it can, it kind of takes a lot um, to just like, like it's, it kind of sucks dealing with it sometimes, but then there are so many positives similar to like herpes, the diagnosis, I've realized a lot of positives, but man, at the beginning, it was a rough time. And that's the reason why I like went to therapy at first. And now I talk about my diabetes with my therapist sometimes. I'm like, wow, I never really realized how much that toll has taken on my mind and my body until I kind of went to therapy because of herpes. So I love talking about mental health. So I just wanted to do a little plug that therapy is great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you've said a bunch of times, I have one more morbid question and then <laughs> I want to ask uh, some other stuff. But so how long without adding insulin before, like you said, your blood turns to acid? How long mm-hmm. until you die is my morbid question. Yeah. I mean, it's it's scary, um, but it can happen. I mean, when people, when diabetics, like one in four ration insulin, like if they're rationing it to a point that their body's not getting the, even like a little bit of insulin, but it's not getting the right amount where your numbers stay high for so long, like that's how you can go into DKA, which is diabetic ketoacidosis. So that takes like, I was in that, when I was abroad, I was sick. I had this like reoccurring cyst thing, which is a weird fluke thing I get because of diabetes. It's this whole thing, but my body was, defenses were very down. And I ended up having high blood sugars for a couple days, got DKA, didn't realize I had it. And I just like kept acting like everything was fine. And then I went to the ER abroad in Australia and they were like, you, if you didn't come in, you would be dead tomorrow. And I just, it didn't hit me. I just kind of downplayed it. And then I was like, wow, that is absolutely terrifying. So even though I was getting some insulin, even when I had it, my numbers just stayed high for so long. So that sometimes happens with people rationing. I mean, like me, like I didn't check ketones. I didn't even know that was like going to occur so for even people that have insulin it can still happen and then on the flip side if you really don't have any I was googling this because I'm like I don't know how many days it would take and it said like three to four without any insulin but if you're having the DKA symptoms yeah where your blood's turning into acid that would be the worst way to go out because it's just so painful and prolonged and you can't do anything to reverse it because you just you have no insulin in your body so I don't know I was and then I was trying I was like okay how can I make not like funny but I was like man (laughs) if I was stranded on an island or like if somebody kidnapped me I would just be the worst kind of like captor because I'd be like I'm going to die anyway like (laughs) you know no satisfaction for them (laughs) yeah yeah so it is it's it is a Like, you don't want to think about that side of it, but at the same time, like, I always think about that. I think about it more now that I'm getting nervous about switching insurance. And I think about, like, if I have a low blood sugar in my sleep and I don't know, you can slip into, like, a little coma. So those are, like, the scary sides of of it all that 
can very well happen. Like it almost, it almost happened to me. And I talk about it now because I had no idea that I was like a day away from dying. So yeah, it's morbid, but it's, we should kind of bring awareness and talk about it because I'd hate for a diabetic to not put two and two together or not take care of themselves and then they can't, yeah, do what you can to prevent it. So switching gears, I have no segue. (laughs) I love it. Has this affected your dating life? I know you kind of said it used to not be something that you tell everyone, but Mm -hmm. like just so everyone listening knows, like Taylor's a gorgeous girl in her mid (laughs) twenties. Does this affect your dating life? I um I mean when I date now it's been I haven't seen a new guy since September. It's been like so COVID, but when I used to date, if I had my pump and my bra and I had a high blood sugar, like, I don't know, there's all these moments where it was a window for me to talk about it, but my, my like boobs would light up because my pump was lighting up because I had a high blood sugar. (laughs) And so then they were like, what the hell, what is that? And so then I kind of would then talk about it or like they'd hear beeping and I'd bring it up. And I, I started to think about this with like herpes though. And I was like, okay, it can be visible in those situations. But when I say like, oh yeah, I'm a type one diabetic, no one like runs for the hills. They're just like, oh, I've never met someone with it. Or like, what does that mean? Or what do I need to know? And then with herpes, it's like, it's not as easy to bring it up. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you're not gonna, like sometimes I'd be hooking up with somebody and they'll see my site and I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm a type one diabetic. But like, just don't pull it off and we won't have a problem. (laughs) But I couldn't do the same with herpes being like, oh, yeah, I have herpes, but let's keep going. Like, you kind of just need that more of a combo, you know, like me saying I have type one diabetes doesn't elicit this like deep seated stigmatized fear, you know. So, but I've had I was thinking back to a couple. I was like, oh, I could do share a couple stories. But one of my more recent fellas, he tore out my site and he thought he had like killed me. He was so <laughs> scared. Cause like there was blood. Cause I have like this metal needle is in my, my infusion set connected to my pump. And it's like, it's pretty big. Like, I don't know, maybe like half an inch. And it was making my stomach bleed. And he was so worried. And then I just kind of like brushed off the blood and I was like, I'm fine. And I honestly think that like turned him on. Cause he was like, this girl is a badass, but it's just like, normal for me in in those situations. And then I've kind of used it, not to my advantage, but I was (laughs) flirting with a guy in a a club. This is like right before pandemic, like early March last year. And I ran out of insulin in the middle of the night. And I was like, my number is high. I don't feel good. I need to leave. And he ended up coming with me and we were in the hotel. Um, he was actually a coworker, a little fun story that never, never took off. But I, he ended up watching me like put the needle into my vial of insulin, like upload my cartridge and put on a new site and do all of this. And he was just like amazed that I was doing that while I was a little bit tipsy. So <laughs> sometimes it's, it's fun, like educating people, but then there's, there's times where I was like, I should have educated more because I had like one situation where I w- went really low in the night and the person didn't know. 
and I almost died again. And I was like, shoot, I should have been more vocal or talked about how I need to be looked out um, a little bit more. Like it can't just be me looking out for myself 24 seven. I was dating this guy who was kind of a stoner and he had munchy snacks everywhere, which <laughs> is great for a diabetic because I need low snacks. So he was like feeding me chocolate while I was like really shaky and like close to passing out. And I'm glad that he knew more of like the backside cause it was kind of nice to be open about it and have someone else looking out for me. But I don't know if it's affected it like in a negative way. Like no one's been mean to me for having it. I think I get, I mean, the comments of like more about weight, like, oh, but you're not fat. Like how do you even have type like diabetes? Like I don't get it. Or like, I don't know, like some of those kind of hurt more or people like poking my CGM being like, oh my God, what is that? Is that Wi-Fi? And just like not respecting my space or asking what it is. But guys have tended to either like not let it phase them. If they were more of someone I wanted to keep in my life a little bit longer, I tend to open up about it, but no one's been like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. That was honestly a little bit of my fear. Now, especially now having herpes, like I talked to you about being a cocktail all the time, (laughs) but I'm like, okay, type one's already this 24 seven medical thing. And now I have like herpes on top of it. Like a little bit of a double whammy, like who, who's going to want to deal with that. And then I'm like, okay, everyone has their shit. These are just like two things that I have to deal with. I manage them. I'm okay. I'm still me. So I think the type one education and always having to deal with it kind of prepared me for the, the add on of the herpes, (laughs) but I'm looking forward to post COVID when I can kind of just disclose about both of them in more of a like confident and open way. I've had that experience more with type one, but not as much in real life with, with herpes, but yeah. Yeah. I just like when you were telling the story about like the guy accidentally ripping your thing up in my mind, I'm like, oh, she should just play up that she's like immediately dying and like (laughs) just scare the shit out of these poor guys. So, so traumatizing and so morbid, but so funny. Uh, I know I could have like, and I feel like I kind of, I mean, I'm getting more confidence just with the, the whole herpes side of it. And I feel like it's been it'll be fun to, I don't know, like I, not that I was hiding the type one, but uh, I was talking, I did like a podcast with Courtney and he was like, you could just make it so much more fun and like kinky. And I was like, I never thought about doing that. So you're planting seeds in my head. (laughs) Poor, poor next fella. We'll see what I, we'll see what I do. Is there anything else that like you want people to know about diabetes or about you or anything at all that we maybe haven't covered yet? Just the concept of how type 1 diabetes is also labeled juvenile diabetes, which confuses people because they think, oh, you can just get it when you're a kid, but you can actually get it at any point in your life. So I just want to preface that because knowing what the symptoms are and just having an eye out for it because people can get it when they're like little toddlers have it and then you can get it in 
high school, college, like when you're about to retire, like you can literally get it whenever in your life. So I just want to explain that like you're not not to scare people, but you're not necessarily like in the clear. So it is good to just like know about this stuff in case like you or somebody in your family ends up getting it. And you know me who can like humanize it a little bit, but it's not the end of the world. It just kind of is a whole nother thing to worry about. Um, but yeah, just so people are a little bit more aware, you can get it at any age. So yeah, and that's definitely something that is so important, just like talking about, like you said, because I know people with certain diagnoses, diagnoses, I think that's the plural of that they say like they start off by saying like oh well, like you you probably don't know much about this but it like i have this and i had one really powerful experience with that where i'm like no no stop like i actually a very close friend of mine has that same diagnosis like i actually know a lot about it and yeah. it's it's so cool to like see people's like just fucking relief when yeah. someone actually knows and now like yeah if i met a type 1 diabetic I'd be like, oh my god, so I have this friend and I know this and like, do you have this? Like, where's your pump site? Like, yeah. that's so invasive. I wouldn't ask that. I take it back. But like, you know, I would I would be able, I think, to have a more cohesive conversation. You know, I would be able to have a competent conversation about it because I know about this. And that's, I think that's the whole reason. I mean, I have a different reason every time someone asks me, but like, a big reason I started my podcast is just like if people know about it they can yeah. talk about it and they it doesn't have to be shrouded in in fear shame or ignorance like Probably. especially now like we have the goddamn internet we can literally learn about anything and yeah thank you for yeah. sharing oh of course and I mean I'm glad like I'm you brought up so many points it's just so fun to spit out all the all the facts about it and like you said just like that's why I love my little insta account because people might follow it because they're like oh yeah I have herpes too or like oh yeah I have diabetes but then they follow my account and they get to like they're forced to almost learn about full which like I know that we all people always say this but like our dream with like sex ed accounts is that people just have that kind of account and they're used to seeing it and getting the knowledge and so if they're in that situation, it's not so scary. So yeah, talk up type one. If ever if anyone ever brings it up, then like it's it's just fun to people being educated and wanting to learn more about it and yeah, not making those assumptions and not keeping the stigmas going, but to actually be like, hang on. Yeah, like going back to like that comment about my coworker that I mentioned in the beginning. Now I feel like I'm actually in a relatively confident place where I could be like, oh, actually, do you know how diabetes works? Like, <laughs> do you know what type so-and-so has? Do you know what her levels are? Because she probably knows. And like, I could, you know, be that person because this was behind that person's back. Now it just gives me confidence to like, you know, just sort of nip that in the bud and not attack anyone, but like just educate yeah. and be like, provide some space for, for someone that probably provides space for themselves all day fucking long and it gets tiring and yeah yeah i just i like learning about people <laughs> and you sound you're gonna get this feel down of like what is insulin what is glucose and like yeah it took me a while but i feel like when you 
you know kind of more of the background and you know the process of like this person didn't do anything to get it like a lot of it is unknown or it's genetics and it's just like the odds are against you which kind of reminds me of with herpes like when you get a diagnosis people make all these assumptions off the bat and like you're promiscuous that's why you got it like you weren't careful and like as we know people are asymptomatic spreading it like condoms don't cover all the skin and there's just I mean the more you know and the more that you kind of educate on I mean both sides like how you get diabetes like how you get herpes the more it it's all paralleled in my head but it's just the concept of educating and thinking more about the person and not like letting the stigmas and stereotypes like taint your image of them because I mean people could very well be in the same boat eventually so just got to be kinder to one yeah. another so yeah yeah I think I think that's a great way to end be kinder <laughs> to one another um <laughs> so Taylor if people want to find you if they want to learn more about your uh, journey with herbies if they want to learn more about your journey with type 1 or if they just want to watch videos of you putting on your equipment and your pump and stuff like where can they go to find you yeah i am on instagram that's the only my little platform but it's at two underscore chronic underscore two to underscore care lots of underscores but yeah like you mentioned at the beginning it's a little play on words but yeah i put little highlights some videos where i'm putting on my sites and explaining it and just kind of showing the back end which a lot of my friends and family didn't even know kind of what i what i was doing so it's been fun to share always open for questions and it's just a fun space and brought me a lot of cool people like meeting you so it's cool to be on here and just educate more so thank you for having me again well i'm sure i will talk to you very soon your sticker is in the mail i mailed oh. it last week whatever whenever you ordered it i mailed it that day oh honey i'm excited it's gonna go on my little sex toy box so fit right in Thanks for listening. Share this link far and wide, leave five-star reviews, and follow me on Instagram at Positively Positive Podcast. Check out the website, PositivelyPositivePodcast.com, for reliable HSV resources and options to support the podcast or say thanks. Buy me a coffee, join the Patreon, or get yourself a Positively Positive sticker. If you just want to say hi, email me at PositivelyPositivePodcast at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail on Anchor. I'm out here, okay? It will always be me reading all your messages. You are not alone. I'm living positively positive, and you can too.